who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Wander with us into a world of magic. Do you lack magic? Where old stories take on a new life and the world is teeming with possibilities. Well, for the last time, we're not kissing, Fritz. Join Jenny and Madeline in this fantastical audio drama as they journey into the stories you grew up with. Okay, Gown. Let's do this. And reinvent fairy tales with a feminist twist. Ready for your next adventure? Then we'll see you soon in the forest of feminist fairy tales. Hi, I'm Madigan, and you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, a podcast that explores the world through a personal feminist perspective. Hello, everybody. Oh, I feel like I'm always asking, how are we this week? But I feel like I kind of know the answer to that one this week. I feel like... None of us are doing super great since Monday, and there was another terrible mass shooting at a school, at an elementary school, nonetheless. I've I've really struggled. I have a really, really hard time when each of these come out, especially school shootings. Not that every mass shooting isn't terrible, but there is something for me with children that really does something to me emotionally and it's really really hard for me to emotionally digest and deal with. I'm not a parent, but sometimes I feel like I'm one because I take care of so many children and I love them like they're my family, like they're all my little brothers and sisters or something. So to think of anything ever happening to one of them while they should be in a safe space at school is one of the scariest things to me. And that's why all of this is so difficult. So this week, actually in a few hours, I'm going to be jumping on a plane to Austin, Texas for a long weekend for Miss Haley's wedding, Max's sister. And so I am going to be just giving a shorter What's in the News episode. I really wanted to devote time to that specific topic this week. And who knows? Maybe I'll yap on for a full half an hour. I don't know. But I really wanted to discuss this with you all. But it's it's potentially going to be a bit of a shorter one. The plus side to this week is that my beautiful mother is here visiting me to take care of the dogs while we're out of town. And she is still sleeping on the couch with Miss Penny Lane. And I just love her so much. She got in last night, and I have the best mom in the world. So shout out to Liz. 
All right, so let's get into the tragedy, and then we'll speak on some of the responses and things like that, and let's work through it, okay? So on Monday, March 27th, a mass school shooting occurred at the Covenant School in Nashville, which is a private Christian school. Six people, three children, students, and three staff members were killed by a 28-year-old shooter who is a trans male, which will become important as we go on in the conversation, unfortunately, who was also killed in a confrontation with police. The Covenant School holds grades pre-K through 6th, and the assailant had once been a student at the school, though I did read somewhere that allegedly there had been another subject initially, and then they changed their mind. But that doesn't make sense because it doesn't match with other sources that noticed maps, like very detailed maps and drawings of the school and entryways and things like that. Before the shooting, the assailant sent a text to a former teammate that was basically a suicide note before he went in for the shooting. The shooter was armed with two rifles and a handgun. Five Metro Nashville police officers went to the second floor of the school and saw him firing through a window at arriving police vehicles, and that's when two officers fired at the shooter, killing him. The shooter was down just 14 minutes after the initial 911 call. The victims were students Evelyn Diakaus, William Kinney, Hallie Scruggs, along with substitute teacher Cynthia Peake, custodian Mike Hill, and head of school Catherine Kuntz. Now, the shooter's birth name has been widely reported, but before their crime, they made it known that they used he-him pronouns and chose a new name for themselves, which is Aiden. When the police initially arrived, they thought the shooter was female, so that is what they reported, because in a lot of the initial research that I was doing, I was like, oh my gosh, it was a female shooter. Like, this is so rare. And then I, you know, a couple hours later went online and read more sources and I got more information. So I think that that really added another really ugly layer that, again, I'm going to get into after I am done discussing the events on Monday and such. So the shooter had recently legally purchased seven firearms, including three that were used on Monday. They were also under a doctor's care with treatment for an emotional disorder. So I was discussing this shooting with Max and my mom last night, and they were wondering if, you know, how involved the parents were, if they knew what was going on with their kid and things like that. It seems like they were living at home, which makes sense if they were struggling with some emotional problems or depression or if they were suicidal, that they would, you know, be that it would be suggested for them to stay, you know, with loved ones and with their parents. So that makes sense to me. But we were talking about whether or not the parents were aware that their child had firearms. And I read that they were aware of at least one that they made them get rid of, sell back or whatever. And then once that gun was gone, they thought that that was the only one. So they weren't aware of any weapons. But this guy had so many weapons that were stashed throughout the house. And apparently the parents had no idea, which is such a terrifying thought to not know what's going on under your own roof. That scares me so much. 
Chief John Drake of Nashville Metro Police Department said that the shooter's parents felt that their child should not own weapons. Now, let's talk about a little bit of the reactions. And I want to talk specifically about the response from the right, because it is particularly frustrating. But before I do that, if you didn't see my Instagram story the other day, so you know that I take care of the most wonderful nine-year-old girl and at least her dad, I think, is a Trumper. It wouldn't surprise me if the mom just kind of goes along with that, even though I really don't get that vibe from her. Um, but the grandparents most certainly are. And they they visit quite often to see their granddaughter, which I love. And they absolutely love me. Like, oh, Madigan's here. Oh, my gosh. They give me big hugs, especially her grandpa. He is like all about me. He loves me. Very sweet. Kind of like that old man, like, kind of flirting but not but like it's not creepy like he's he's nice whatever but I'm obviously very skeptical of them just because I know their beliefs you know but I'm over at their house and the kid isn't there the mom isn't there I was just like dropping some stuff off and the grandma was trying to figure out how to get Tucker Carlson on and she was on like the YouTube app instead of YouTube TV, which is going to be like your cable, your live television. And she's like, I can't get Tucker on. I can't get Tucker on. And so I grabbed the remote and I'm like, you're on the wrong app. And I fix it for her. And like, that's just the type of person I am, you know? And I'm like, why did I do that? Why Why did I turn Fox News on for somebody? I am the worst feminist ever, but I'm such a people pleaser. What What can I say? I should have been like, oh, I don't, I don't know how it works. I'm so sorry. Maybe we should turn on John Oliver. I don't know. You know what I mean? I should have, I should have totally played it differently, but that's not my instinct. My instinct is to please people. So I turned on Fox News for them and oh my God, it's just... It's the worst. And I don't even know if they were talking about the shooting at that moment when the news was on. But the grandma, of course, was just like, I can't take the murder of these children just enough. And, you know, she was going on and on about that. And I in my head, I'm just like, then why? How can you possibly believe that a lack of gun control laws is the way to fix that. And, you know, I didn't go into conversation with her because I I just don't want a mess. You know, I don't want the drama. But in my head, I'm, I'm thinking that. And I also know that her son is a major gun owner. We were talking about this once and he has like AR weapons and stuff in a huge safe in his apartment in Studio City, Los Angeles. Like, what I, that that boggles my mind to me. I don't know anybody like that, and it's just it's I don't understand it. Do you know how much you have in common with some of your favorite celebrities, leaders, newsmakers? I'm Evelyn, the host of Reppin, where you'll meet notable people you think you know. You'll find out who they really are and what they represent. Listen to Reppin wherever you get your podcasts. But I. I can't wrap my head around the way that the right likes to rationalize these situations or the things that they point to for solutions. And that is going to be very obvious in the next couple examples that I'm going to read to you here. So 
We talked about this asshole plenty of times on the show. Missouri Senator Josh Hawley tweeted Tuesday saying, We should be clear about what happened in Nashville. Police say the shooting was, quote, targeted. That makes it a federal hate crime against Christian children and teachers. Targeting victims on the basis of religious affiliation is a hate crime. It should be investigated as such. So I don't understand how he took the word targeting and made that to believe that they were targeting their religion, because obviously this was a targeted attack. The shooter went in to kill students and staff. They were targeting those people in particular. Yet somehow Josh Hawley has twisted it in his mind to believe that targeting meant that they were targeting Christian children in particular. And now we don't know anything about the shooter's background or what their experience with maybe religious trauma, so on and so forth is, especially if they are a trans person who grew up going to a Christian school and a pretty, you know, it's a pretty small Christian school. I think there's only 200 students I read in, you know, maybe a smaller town. And they're in Nashville. They're in the South, even though Nashville, I think, has become pretty progressive. I think that, you know, there are still a lot of notions that are maybe a little bit more conservative. And so, you know, maybe there is some mental strife and there are just some people that unfortunately also have this evil inside of them that decide to act on it. And it doesn't matter who the person is, what their gender is, what their identity is, what their sexual orientation is, anything. That doesn't play into what makes a killer a killer. In my opinion, what makes a killer a killer is something evil inside. There is just, there is something that lives in them that is evil and twisted and wrong to ever think to go to such lengths to do such a thing. Because a mentally ill person generally isn't dangerous necessarily. That can be a a complication and then they need to be cared for. But that just addresses an even bigger problem. Before I go on with the rest of Josh Hawley's statement, I did find a really, really great post from So.Informed on Instagram, which I've mentioned before on the show. They're just a really, really great source of information on Instagram if you're interested in following them. But they made a post about taking inventory of the hypocrisy on the right. And they say it isn't a gun problem. It's a mental health problem. They also say universal health care is communism and it will never happen in the United States. The very same people who bemoan gun violence in the country with more guns than people, no less, as a mental health issue are also some of the loudest opponents of offering universal health care to people of this country. If mental health is the cause of gun violence, why is there not a resounding bipartisan call for universal health care? They also say we must protect the children. But then they say... Thoughts and prayers to the children killed in a mass shooting today, and then do nothing to help change the violent reality of the United States. Republican lawmakers extend their thoughts and prayers in any instance of gun violence in this country, yet stand in the way of advancing any effort to implement gun safety laws. In 2022, Congress passed the first gun safety law in nearly 30 years, but not without concessions. Republicans stripped mandatory waiting periods for all gun sales, raising the minimum age to buy assault weapons and universal background checks from the bill. All right, let's go back to Josh Hawley's statement. He continues, 
all federal resources necessary should be brought to bear, and those individuals or groups who have spread a message of hate against the Christian community, which resulted in horrific violence, should be held to account. Come on. This is not, in my opinion, a Christian-hating act, and that's why we did it. And if it was, that's not known to the public yet, so that's quite a jump for you to be making. As I said, there has also been major anti-trans sentiment since the shooting occurred, and it was discovered that it was a trans man who was the perpetrator of the shooting. Gun reform activists and the LGBTQ community say the trans community is being used as a scapegoat and that focusing on the shooter's reported trans identity is a distraction from what they say is the root of the issue, guns. Trans people have historically been falsely categorized as violent or dangerous, and these anti-trans sentiments fuels further violence against trans people and further ostracizes a very vulnerable population. According to the Human Rights Campaign, they say every study available shows that transgender and non-binary people are much more likely to be victims of violence rather than the perpetrators of it. In fact, trans people are four times more likely than cis people to experience violent victimization. It has also been reported that this is the first case of a mass shooting perpetrated by a trans person since they started tracking mass shootings going back 41 years, according to expert and professor of criminology James Allen Fox. Another Republican who has been very outspoken since the shooting is, of course, Marjorie Taylor Greene, who is calling for more prayers and more guns in schools. She tweeted, How many more children have to be murdered before Democrats will agree to protect children at schools the same way good guys with guns protect the president and others? So you want, like, a band of Secret Service following children around from classroom to classroom? That sounds terrifying. That sounds like you're being, that sounds like you're going to school in a prison. She goes on, children and school staff should always be protected the same way politicians, money, and precious stones and gold are protected, but even more so by good guys with guns. Why does she keep saying good guys with guns? Good guys, good guys, good guys. I don't know. I feel like a lot of times bad guys get their hands on guns pretty easily. So let's not just assume that these would all be good guys, shall we? Of course, once learning that the shooter was trans, Marjorie Taylor Greene shifted her focus to her attack on medical care for trans people. She tweeted, How much hormones like testosterone and medications for mental illness was the transgender Nashville school shooter taking? Now, with this, I say, we have no idea if the shooter had begun any sort of medical treatment or therapy for their transition, and I don't think meds for mental health would necessarily do this, and I think for the most part, unless this person was taking drugs without the prescription of a doctor, if you are taking any sort of medication for transition, your doctor is going to make sure that they're also going to be compatible with any sort of mental health medications and things like that and probably keep a pretty close eye on you. But again, we don't know how far into their transition the shooter was and things like that. So we can't determine any of these things that she is that she's stating. She ends it by saying everyone can stop blaming guns now. 
And then there was another tweet, and I really don't want to utter these next words that she tweeted, and no one go editing this to make it sound like I said this and believe this, but I think it's important to see what people on the right are saying so that we can have the knowledge and education to be able to combat it. And this terrible tweet reads, The female Nashville shooter identifies as a man. Shouldn't we just blame white men again? I mean, yes, we should always blame white men because typically the assailants are white men. But I just really, really hate the language and the outward disregard for the trans community in general because I'm not looking for respect for this shooter because they did something terrible. I believe that there is something evil and bad within them, but they're not doing this to hurt the shooter. The shooter is gone. The shooter is dead. They're doing this as a way to further their agenda against the trans community, against you know drag shows and grooming and whatever they think the left is up to. And that's why it's so upsetting to me, because this isn't about actually caring for the victims or the shooter or anything. It's just about furthering their propaganda and what they believe, you know, needs to change in this country. And it's it's so upsetting to see such a tragic event where we should be focusing on the victims and what we can do to help truly protect children with better gun laws. Instead, we are having this argument about whether or not trans people are dangerous and so on and so forth. And it's so damaging. And it's so frustrating to me that like, I I know people in my life who watch those things and who probably believe those things. And I just don't understand it. It's to me, it just shows a lack of education and ignorance And they are so set in their ways that there is no way that they will ever open up their mind to try to be educated. And that's what's so upsetting to me. I just wonder why no one on the right can ever see nuance in any situation. Like life and tragedy is not so black and white. People are complicated And I think that when you try to simplify tragedies like this by pointing the finger at certain things, besides the actual thing that killed these children, we're just distracting from the situation further and further to push away from the fact that we're not getting proper gun laws. There was this video, and I posted it on the stories on Instagram, but there was a video of this woman who was in the area, I think just on vacation or visiting family in Nashville when this shooting occurred, and their son had been in lockdown recently for another school shooting that was you know, highly publicized, and she just went up to the reporters and she was like, aren't you guys tired of covering this? And yes, we are. We are very tired of covering this. The way that I found out that this shooting even happened, I was running errands on Monday and I was really, really busy and I always have my phone on silent and I had it in my purse. And then when I got back to my car before I like pulled out to go home, I checked my Instagram really quick and I noticed that I had like over 50 mentions in like other people's stories. And I was like, what the fuck blew up? Like, What's going on? And of course, when I click on it, it's the picture that I posted a while ago that says zero days since the last mass shooting. And it looks like a street sign. And it's been shared, I mean, probably close to a thousand times now in the last few days. And it's very, 
is a strange thing because a lot of people find my page through things like that and I get more followers and I get people reaching out to me and things like that. And that's, I guess, a, a good thing, but it feels really weird because I feel like I'm gaining attention from a tragedy and that's really not my intention. My intention is for as many people to see these things so that they can be informed and feel less alone. And I think that that is still what I'm doing, but it still feels really, really weird to like be gaining attention out of something that I have nothing to do with. And I'm just sharing posts about, but it's not about me and that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just kind of thinking out loud, but it was really shocking to see that. And I knew immediately that there was a school shooting. I knew nothing about what was going on. My mom texted me and I saw the title of the article. I got home and I started reading into it. And it's it's really taken over my brain this week. I've been very emotional. I've been very upset. I just, I love my kids so much, the kids that I care for. And the thought that they are not safe in a place that should be safe, that they can't, you know, potentially live normal lives at school and have to worry about maybe having like armed people there to protect them. What is this? Like, this is not okay. And I wish that someone would do something because I am so sick of talking about this. I am so sick of going over the statistics over and over again. I'm sick of talking about yet another tragedy. I'm sick of talking about yet more children dying and no one's going to do anything about it. And then we have a president that made a joke about ice cream right before his statement. Like what the fuck is wrong with you people? I just don't, I don't understand the lack of care I simply do not get it, but I truly think that these politicians have been so brainwashed into only caring about power and money, even some of the quote-unquote good ones, and I just feel really disheartened and discouraged by the lack of action that is going on in our country to protect its citizens. All right, well, I think I'm done. I talked for for quite a while, and I just wanted to kind of open the floor to all of you now. If there's anything that you need for support other than just listening to this episode, know that I'm here for you. Feel free to send me a DM on Instagram and just be like, Madigan, I'm feeling really sad this week, and I'll at least send you something back and give you some love that you deserve and some support, and I hope that all of you are keeping yourselves safe, especially the LGBTQ community, the trans community, that is becoming more and more of a target every day. And it, it saddens and disgusts me, but also know that I, I'm i here to support you. I'm here to defend you in any way that I possibly can. And I'm always going to fight to be the best ally for the trans community that I possibly can, because I truly do. I just feel... I feel such an admiration for the trans and non-binary community. I just think that anyone who can decide to be brave enough to live fully and authentically themselves is someone that I'm going to be inspired by. So thank you for inspiring me. I hope you're okay. I'm sending everyone a big, big hug. 
And that's all I have for you today. But but if you want a little bit more Madigan, you can go to patreon.com slash angry neighborhood feminist or click on the link in the show notes and you can join the Patreon. I've got a couple different tiers going on. If you want to join the Angry Feminist Book Club, which is so much fun. Right now we are covering Women Talking by Miriam Taves. That is at the $5 level. But if you want even more Madigan at the $8 level, at the Feminist Faves level, you can also receive these episodes ad-free. And every once in a while, I'm going to be posting little extras and things like that into that tier of Patreon. So if you want a little bit more behind the scenes or extras, things like that, join that $8 tier. But if you just want to join along on this book club adventure, hit that $5 tier. It's so much fun. And I'm going to be releasing what the next book is very soon. I'm still kind of going between a few different ones. Um, But this has been a really crazy week for me, especially with travel and everything like that. So you will be getting a re-release, but quite an old episode that was, again, a solo episode from me. So I hope you look forward to listening to that episode again and revisiting it if you've heard it before. But I will be back next week with all new episodes and I will be putting up a new Patreon episode very shortly after I return as well. Alrighty, everybody. With all of that being said, I encourage you to rage on. Bye, my loves. Hey, Jenny, have you um, ever heard of a vampire slayer? Do you mean the one girl in all the world with the strength and skill to fight the vampires, demons, and forces of darkness? I do. Oh, yeah, I've heard of her. Cool. My name is Jenny Owen Youngs. And I'm Kristen Russo. And together, we spent six years watching every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one at a time, podcasting about each and every one. Never seen Buffy before? We will protect you. Our podcast is spoiler-free, so first-time viewers can listen along safely. Ever thought to yourself, I wish someone was brave enough to write an original song for every single episode of Buffy? (laughs) Your search is at an end, my friend, because we did exactly that. So if you've never watched Buffy, or if you're about to watch the series for the 14th time, come over and join us. Our podcast is called Buffering the Vampire Slayer, and you can learn more about it at BufferingCast.com. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.